Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. Uh, as we jump in tonight, uh, just we're picking up where we did a little bit of an introduction on the Harlot Babylon a couple of weeks ago. And tonight's going to kind of be a second part of that uh, in helping us to understand what's going on with this city of Babylon in the book of Revelation. So, Father, we ask you in Jesus' name tonight for you to help us, for you to escort us with revelation, with clarity, that your word would come alive and that you would make passages uh, make sense to us in a way that maybe they never have before. Holy Spirit, come and anoint the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in our series, the book of Revelation, and this session's entitled A Tale of Two Cities, talking about Jerusalem and the city of Babylon. And uh, in this study that we've been doing in the book of Revelation, our main focus has been to look at the various themes in the book of Revelation. So instead of going verse by verse, we've been going thematically through Revelation. And uh, we've got about 120 uh, sessions slated. And so we're here, you know, a good ways through already. And if you're interested in any of the past ones, you're welcome to go online, check those out. Uh, But tonight, uh, we're going to be looking at these two cities, the city of Babylon and the city of Jerusalem at the end of the age. But before we get to the end of the age, we're going to talk a little bit about their complex relationship historically. One of the things that is a a picture of the way that Babylon has uh, been an aggressor towards Israel Uh, really from the beginning, and you could even say the way that Babylon has been defiant against God from the beginning, is this this deep-seated aggression is really a reflection of man's uh, hard-heartedness and hatred towards God's authority. And so that's not all that's going on there, but every time you see Babylon in the Word, there is a measure of symbolism of what Babylon represents in in opposition to God's purposes, to God's authority, And, uh, and so it makes sense that this historic city of Babylon has been a a longtime rival uh, and had great animosity and caused great difficulty for Jerusalem and for the people of God throughout history. So I want to look here, just kind of diving in. Look at these two cities from a couple of different angles as we begin here. One, Jerusalem is the center focus city of the book of Revelation, really of the entire Bible. Uh, If you've ever heard the term Jerusalem-centric, That term is referring to the activities of the Bible that are going on are all about, are in frame of reference to, are uh, in in the storyline of the city of Jerusalem and God's purposes for Jerusalem. In the book of Revelation, just to give you a a few of the examples here, uh, you've got Jerusalem is going to be where the Antichrist sets up his headquarters. It's the city of Jerusalem. Also in Revelation, all these points are... Jerusalem is where the two witnesses will minister. So when we read in Revelation chapter 11 about the two witnesses, it's them doing stuff in Jerusalem specifically. The new Jerusalem, the city of heaven, is going to come settle over the earthly city of Jerusalem during the millennial period. And then after that, come and rest on the earth in that area. But during the millennial period, there's going to be the city of the new Jerusalem up overhead over the earthly city 
of Jerusalem. Of course, Jerusalem is the city Jesus returns to and then reigns the whole uh, rules and, and reigns from over the whole globe. That's a big deal. I mean, Jesus is only going to have one capital city, and it's Jerusalem. And the book of Revelation continues to uh, lay that out. It's the only city besides Babylon that's listed in the book of Revelation that specific judgments are going to take place in. Most of the time when you read the judgments, they're in a very vague sense. It's like it's going to happen all over. It's going to happen in, in uh, you know, this uh, type of environment, but it doesn't actually name the city. Well, the city of Jerusalem and the city of Babylon are the only two cities in the book of Revelation that are listed by name as receiving specific end-time judgments. So just to give you, you know, a little bit of uh, the background there, there's a lot on Jerusalem in the book of Revelation. But the subject of the city of Babylon is a major theme in Revelation. It's one that's brought up again and again. There's two whole chapters dedicated to it. It's the whole uh, end time drama kind of revolves around the the rise and the uh, then the uh, the prominence and and uh, pain that Babylon causes the earth, and then eventually Babylon's fall. The subject of Babylon is a, a major uh, theme in Revelation. So between Babylon. And Jerusalem, you've kind of got the two main cities of the book of Revelation uh, that, are, uh, that are part of the narrative. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about their, their history. Of all of Israel's ancient enemies, none so fierce or feared or impacting to the nation's history as Babylon. Babylon was responsible for the exile of Israel. Now, I want you to just think about this for a second. It is an unthinkable concept that a nation would be deported to another territory and no longer have residence in their home country, in their homeland. That is an unthinkable idea, that a whole nation of people would be deported, would be you know, taken up out of their country, taken to another place. It's unthinkable. It happened to Israel. It happened to God's nation. It happened to the people of God. That is just such an unthinkable concept. And of course, it was because of Israel's sin that that was even permitted. But the hand that was used, the arm of the Lord in that hour, the one that was responsible for that deportation was Babylon. And so a very important detail there. I gave you a verse here. We'll just read it real quick. We got a minute. He brought up against them the king of the Babylonians who killed their young men with the sword in their sanctuary and did not spare the young men or the young women or the elderly or the infirmed. God gave them all into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar and he carried to Babylon all the articles from the temple of God, both large and small, the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the kings and his officials. And they set fire to God's temple and broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all the palaces and destroyed everything of value there. It's unthinkable that this was permitted to happen, and it happened through Babylon. Now, when we're going tonight, and what's uh, equally unthinkable is the future partnership between the city of Babylon and the city of Jerusalem. If our Bibles didn't say it over and over again, that would just be uh, impossible. That would be the kind of thing that you would, uh, you'd never be able to believe and it's going to be really interesting to watch that happen because 
This is going to actually go beyond cooperation, beyond getting along together. There is going to be significant partnership. And we're going to look a little bit more at that later in this session. But I just want to give you here Revelation 18.3, which I recognize is a, is a very broad statement, but it includes Jerusalem, includes Israel. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew root rich from her excessive luxuries. This is talking about all the nations, and that will include the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Well, let's look a little bit at Israel or Jerusalem's destiny, and then a little bit at Babylon's destiny. Now, both of these are describing global prominence, but from a couple different angles here. At the end, when Jerusalem is finally the praise of the earth and Jesus is ruling the earth from that place, Jerusalem is identified as the city of God that is celebrated throughout the earth, the city of David, God's dwelling place forever, God's holy mountain. I give you a bunch of verses there in part E on page two. These are all future future fullness, future to be realized realities about Jerusalem. Now there's pieces of this that are true now, and certainly her identity rooted in these things is true now, but these things are not uh, readily experienced. They are not the reality in in any sort of living condition sense right now, but they will be when Jesus is ruling and reigning. Well, let's look at a little bit about Babylon's destiny. Similarly prophesied about But Babylon, instead of it being the glory of God, God's city, it's the glory of men. The city of Babylon at the end of the age will be the glory of men. It will be the most praised city in the earth from a human perspective. She will be referred to as the prostitute or in the New King James, the harlot. She is also, the city is also where God's wrath will be poured out. She's called the great city, the city of power, the city of wickedness. These are reality points about this global and, uh, and uh, city of prominence at the end of the age. So just kind of giving us a little bit of the backstory there and what's happening, where, where this is going a little bit as well. All right, well, now let's talk a little bit about this, this uh, elephant in the room. The city of Babylon doesn't exist right now. Right now, the city of Babylon is missing from the global landscape. And so the Bible has lots of prophecies about the city of Babylon in the future. But right now, there is no the city of Babylon. That's a real problem. Babylon will 100% be an actual city once again. I just want to give us a couple of uh, uh, historical frames of reference here that are really interesting uh, if if you pay attention to the details. There are a ton, like we've got a bunch of Bible verses that talk about the future of the city of Babylon. There are a ton of Bible verses that talk about the city of Jerusalem at future points. So if we were even to point to right now, there are dozens, probably more than that. It probably is a hundred or more passages that are prophesying the future of Jerusalem and the future of Israel where Israel and Jerusalem would be under the control of God's people, Jewish people, and that Israel would exist as a country and Jerusalem would exist as its capital. Well, all of that is very uh, easy for us to process right now because Israel is a nation and Jerusalem is its capital. But there was a long period of time, 2,000 years kind of a time, 
where the city of Jerusalem didn't exist and the nation of Israel wasn't, didn't have physical territory. So whenever you were reading, if you were in any of those hundreds of years of human history and you're reading the Bible and the Bible's talking about the future of Jerusalem, you would have just looked at that and thought, I guess it must be spiritual or symbolic. I guess it must, what does this mean? Is God going to rebuild Jerusalem? Is, is the nation of Israel going to exist again? Yes, of course it is. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible can't lie. We can lie. The Bible can't lie. So of course the nation of Israel had to come into being again, which happened in 1948. Of course the city of Jerusalem had to come back into existence and as a place of uh, you know, actual you know, real city that, that had all the capacities of a city. Of course it did. Because that's what the Bible promised was going to happen. So our problem is we look to logic far too often instead of looking to faith and what the Word of God says. So if the Word of God says there's going to be an end-time city of Jerusalem, then there will be an end-time city of Jerusalem. So I just want to even tell you this right now, whatever disasters occur between now and the end, the city of Jerusalem will exist. Furthermore, the Word of God promises that there is going to be an end-time city of Babylon. Well, right now there is no end time city of Babylon, but let's not go into the same error that people possibly did for hundreds of years. We actually know that many did, that they changed their theology to fit their circumstances. Let's not change our theology. Let's look at what the Bible says and then just believe it. The Bible says there will be an end time city of Babylon. So guess what friends, the city of Babylon will be rebuilt probably within our lifetime. We're going to watch it happen. Well, I just want to give us an, an interesting witness that I think is, is profound. I remember watching this happen. Uh, I wasn't paying super attention, but I was paying enough attention at the right time in, uh, in human history, and that is the witness of Dubai. Now, Dubai is a, a global prominent city uh, you know, in the earth right now. It is one of the destination cities. It's one of the richest cities. It's one of the most modern. There's a, a hundred things about the city of Dubai that are unbelievable. The most unbelievable part is it was built in about 10 years. Now, I don't mean there was nothing before, and then it went from nothing to what it is today, and that happened 10 years. What I mean is, there was not much going on. There was not much there, and for sure, the majority of the city, everything that when we think Dubai, or you ever see a cityscape of Dubai, or anything on the internet, anything about Dubai that you would see, and you go, that's the city of Dubai, that all happened in about 10 years, 10 to 15 and it happened while we've been alive. I remember when Dubai wasn't a global city, there was hardly anything there. To say there was nothing there relatively is true. It went from nothing to being a global city with prominence, a tourist destination, you know, trillions of dollars funneled through it kind of a thing. That happened while I was alive, while I watched it happen. My point with this, it is actually feasible in modern era for a city to not exist and a minute later, the city exists. 
It's important that we have this frame of reference. I honestly think that the city of Dubai is in many, many ways a case study for what we're going to see happen with the rise of Babylon. In fact, I'm thinking about Dubai, so many of the, uh, the overlaps, the fact that it's an Arab nations, the fact that it's, it was uh, fueled by oil money, that, that there was just so much about it that was built in you know, prominence and, and this idea of let's build a city you know, to the heavens that would catch the attention of the whole earth. All of that is very much the thought process of what's going to go behind the rebuilding of the city of Babylon. And I wonder how much of uh, uh, the architecture and how much of the city planning and all that, they're going to be looking at Dubai as their prototype in order to be able to build something even more lavish, even more excellent, even more whatever. My point that happened in a very short period of time while many of you in this room have been alive. And so I would just encourage you to do a little bit of research on the city of Dubai because it is a sign and a wonder how quickly that city came to be uh, from seemingly nothing in so little uh, period of time. So my point with all that, if the Bible promises there's going to be an end time Babylon and an end time Babylon has to be built, but that's going to take some time. We have the history of Jerusalem not being a, a city and Israel not being a nation in any sort of established way. And then boom, it happened. We have the, the uh, witness of Dubai that there was no city. And then all of a sudden in a very short period of time, there was a city and not just a city, a globally recognized city, like one of the most prominent cities in the earth kind of a thought process. You put all that together and it actually makes it very easy to believe that the city of Babylon can and will be rebuilt. Little point uh, I threw in there uh, was Saddam Hussein was a uh, dictator in Iraq, and uh, his hero, which just just tells you a little bit about his his nature, and you know probably wasn't fun to play cards with. His hero was Nebuchadnezzar, and his desire was to rebuild Babylon thinking about the texts that are in the Bible and uh, other places as well uh, in, in uh, uh, Islamic uh, uh, prophecies and such, thinking about the nation or the city of Babylon being rebuilt, he actually established his palace in uh, the area where Babylon was and started to rebuild it. So there's not much there now except Saddam's palace and you know a couple buildings and this and that. You wouldn't call it a city, but you could call it an outpost. You could call it the start of something. And that actually began, again, once again, while many of you in this room have been alive, he started that work. And so there it is. There's already a beginning point. Okay, let's talk about the second city of Babylon. So at the end of the age, when Babylon rises to uh, prominence, there's going to be a city in Babylon, and then that city is going to be the capital, if you will, of a global empire. All right, That's what we looked at in a, a session or two ago. Well, in order for there to be a global empire, there's going to have to be like-minded cities all over the earth. What that means is there's going to have to be cultures and people and groups and entire cities that are very much thinking along the same lines and are in al alignment from a philosophical standpoint, from an economic standpoint. There's going to have to be cities all over the earth that are operating like little Babylons all over the earth. And that is definitely going to be the case. It just so happens we're told that the second greatest city in the Babylonian empire is actually going to be Jerusalem. In fact, 
Every time the term the great city is used, it's referring to Babylon except two times. Two times when the term the great city is used, it's referring to Jerusalem in the same kind of lines of thinking uh, as what's being uh, promoted in relationship to the city of Babylon at the end of the age. I gave you the two verses there, top of page four, Revelation 11, 8, and then also Revelation 16, 19. Both of those uh, passages are referring to Jerusalem, but every other time that you see the term the great city in you in uh, eschatology, it's always referring to the city of Babylon. So there's just one little point. Next, uh, skipping down to part C, the harlot Jerusalem. It's really interesting when you study the language that the Lord uses to talk about end time Babylon, and you look at the language that the Lord uses to describe end time Jerusalem. The language used is like identical. It's kind of terrifying because you find verses like this, Ezekiel 16. This is the Lord speaking about Jerusalem. Therefore, you prostitute. Hear the word of the Lord. Because you poured out your lust and exposed your naked body and your promiscuity with your lovers, and because of all your detestable idols, I will bring on you the blood vengeance of my wrath and my jealous anger. This is the Lord talking about Jerusalem. It's the same language that's used to talk about Babylon. There will be significant compromise with Babylon, significant level of agreement. There's a lot of unfulfilled passages about Israel, specifically these language, uh, this adultery language. And whenever you read adultery language, what the Lord's describing, or the prophets in any of those passages, is Israel is supposed to be going after God. Israel is supposed to be looking to God for her supply, to God for her provision, for her direction, for her identity, her worship. And whenever it is that Jerusalem or Israel would go after another nation's uh, wealth, another nation's affections, another nation's uh, allegiance and, and alliances, she would then wind up also chasing after her gods, after her culture, after all of that. And God looked at this and said, listen, I have made a covenant with you. You're supposed to be in marriage relationship with me. You're operating like an adulteress. He says, and I don't like it. And he promises to judge it. Well, there's a ton of passages that are unfulfilled. And really, you know, if you're ever looking at biblical prophecy and you go, how do I know if that's unfulfilled or not? Has it ever happened? Have the details of the passage ever happened in human history? Well, sort of, kind. no, not really. Well, then the answer is no. It hasn't been fulfilled, therefore it must happen. There are a ton of Bible passages about Israel related to her adulterous relationships that have not yet been fulfilled. Let me give you one here in Ezekiel 16. Same chapter that we were just looking in. Therefore, you prostitute, hear the word of the Lord. I am going to gather all your lovers. That's referring to all the nations which Israel had been making covenants with and going after their gods and doing all that stuff. There has never been a time where all Israel's enemies were gathered together against her. That's never happened before. But it will in the end time drama. With whom you found pleasure, those you loved, as well as those that you hated. I will gather them against you from all around. 
and I will bring on you the blood vengeance of my wrath and my jealous anger. Then I will deliver you into the hands of your lovers, and they will bring a mob against you who will stone you and hack you to pieces with their swords. They will burn down your houses and inflict punishment on you. I will put a stop to your prostitution. This is the Lord's promise against Israel for her prostitution. But it's not like... It's not like Israel is going to be doing good at the end of the age and God's going to go, well, you know what? You're doing so good, but I, I, I promised I was going to bring all these judgments against you. So even though I haven't been bringing them against you for a long time, I'm going to do it now, even though you're not doing things so far out of order. No, Jerusalem and Israel at the end of the age will be in the greatest level of compromise that she's ever been in and the most due of this judgment that she's ever been due. And that's when God is going to bring about these judgments to her. But that compromise is going to come from her acting like a harlot, just like the harlot Babylon. Remember, the, the whole purpose and thought process behind the harlot Babylon is she's a deceiver, and she's deceiving the whole world into believing that her ways, her luxuries, her culture, her thought processes are right, and righteousness is an old idea that doesn't matter anymore. And we no longer need to follow God and submit to his ways. Follow the way of this, this new wave of thinking. Israel is going to get totally swept up right into the middle of it. Okay, uh, I'm going to skip down because we've just got so much to cover here. Shared traits between these two cities. Top of page six, look at all these Bible verses. And let me just tell you, if you go and you want to look, you want to do a little study later. Which, by the way, the reason I give you these notes uh, isn't so much so that you can just follow along. That's helpful. But it's as a study re uh, reference, as a resource. So if it's something you're interested in, which, you know, maybe one out of 20 teachings, you'll go, oh, I care about that. Well, then you can go back and you can research and do a little bit of work there, and I've already given you at least a starting point. Now, in order to kind of interpret what you're looking at here, the first set of verses that you've got addresses for are in reference to, uh, I believe, to Jerusalem. Nope. Babylon. The first set of, of verses are always about Babylon. The second set or the, the latter part are always in reference to Jerusalem. So you're going to start with Babylon and then uh, look at uh, Jerusalem. And this is about uh, many different shared characteristics. You just wouldn't normally think that Babylon and Jerusalem have got a lot in common. But at the end of the age, the prophetic scriptures talk about a ton of similarities and commonalities that they share. One, their prominence. The end of the age, both Babylon and Jerusalem are described as rising to a place of global reputation. I gave you here, clothed in splendor, called a queen, fame among, excuse me, among the nations. Those are just a few related to her prom their prominence. Also, their wickedness. We're accustomed to thinking of the wickedness of, of Babylon. We're not necessarily accustomed to thinking about the uh, wickedness of Jerusalem at the end of the age. But there it is, both of them called a prostitute. Prostitution with the nations, idols in the land, the, the subject of human sacrifice occurring in both cities, guilty of bloodshed in their midst. These are intense Bible verses about the subject of wickedness in both Babylon at the end of the age and Jerusalem at the end of the age. It's really intense. God promises judgment on them. <clears throat> Gave you a ton of verses there that talk about the judgment of God in the last days against Babylon and against Jerusalem. Then also the judgment <clears throat> that they'll endure from men. 
The Lord is very capable of releasing supernatural judgments and using the arm of angels uh, to accomplish his purposes. That's what's going to happen in part C. Part D, there's going to be the arm of the flesh that comes from men and women and nations that are going to come against both Babylon and come against Jerusalem at the end of the age. There's a ton of verses there. Just look at all those. I mean, I don't know, that's probably 70, 80 verses just on this one page related to the, maybe 60 verses, related to the subject of Babylon and uh, Jerusalem and their, their common, uh, um, the common language used about the two of them, kind of one category at a time. All right, well, now let's talk about Israel's destiny and its relationship to Babylon's final judgment. Now, just to give you a little bit of the storyline that you're probably tracking with, we know without a shadow of a doubt, Israel is going to be the prominent nation in the earth under the leadership of Jesus forever. Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is a Jewish man. He's fully God and fully Jewish man. He's going to come back and rule the Jewish city of Jerusalem, which is found in Israel. He's going to rule the world from that place forever. There are a ton of Bible verses that talk about the future prosperity of the nation of Israel and God's purposes and plans in the coming you know, uh, uh, ages even, not just age. It's going to be really, really awesome. Well, that doesn't happen until Israel's end time... Or, uh, 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 historic, until Israel's historic enemy, Babylon, is judged, is defeated, and is dealt with. Because you can't have prominence as long as you've still got your ancient enemy just outside your borders that's kind of nipping at your, you know, at, at every angle. You've got to deal with the ancient enemy first. And so the storyline of the end times is the Ancient enemy Babylon is going to be destroyed before Israel rises to her place of prominence. But it is a tangled, elaborate storyline to start page seven. <coughs> First off in this, now remember, I just told you where it's going, but now, now let's just talk a little bit about the process of getting there. Israel will be handed over to Babylon. This is Jeremiah 32. You are saying about this city, by sword, famine, and plague, it will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon. It's talking about Jerusalem. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I will surely gather from all the lands where I banished them in my fierce anger and great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and will and all will go well for them and for their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. This is what the Lord says. As I have brought all this great calamity on this people, so will I give them all prosperity that I have promised them. Once more fields will be bought in this land of which you say, it is a desolate waste without people or animals for it has been given over to the hands of the Babylonians. Fields will be bought for silver and uh, and deeds will be signed sealed and witnessed in the territory of Benjamin and the villages around Jerusalem and the towns of Judah and all the towns of the hill country of the western foothills and the Negev because I will restore their fortunes declares the Lord there is so much about this passage that has not happened yet 
There's so much about this, but it's in the context of this city being handed over to the Babylonians by sword, famine, and plague. It will be given to the king of Babylon. So this is a, a very interesting reality because this is describing uh, Israel and Jerusalem's future prominence, but first it being handed over to the Babylonians. Really intense. We know that the Antichrist will invade Babylon. I'm going to move forward here just a little bit quickly. Probably not going to read all these passages. But Israel is going to receive mercy from the Lord sometime after Antichrist invades Babylon. We know that at the end of the age, the city of Babylon, specifically the city, is going to be invaded by the Antichrist and burnt to the ground. It's at that time the Antichrist will take over the Babylonian global empire and set himself up as God in the temple in Jerusalem. Well, this uh, future prominence of Israel is going to happen after Antichrist has invaded Babylon and burnt it to the ground. Israel, in the midst of all this, is going to be fleeing Babylon. Look at the top of page 8. Flee from Babylon. Run for your lives. Do not be destroyed because of her sins. It is time for the Lord's vengeance. He will repay on her what she deserves. Babylon was a gold cup in the Lord's hand. She made the whole earth drunk. That has never happened before. The nations drank her wine. Therefore, they have now gone mad. Babylon will suddenly fall and be broken. Wail over her. Get balm for her pain. Perhaps she can be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she cannot be healed. Let us leave her and go each to our own land, for her judgment reaches to the skies. It rises as high as the heavens. The Lord has vindicated us. Come, let us tell it in Zion what the Lord has done for us. Again, just very first line. Flee from Babylon. There's going to be Jews in Babylon that are going to be given the heads up. Flee from Babylon because the judgment of God is about to come on that city. Flee from Babylon. Okay, uh, skipping down, Israel possessing the nations after Babylon falls. Just going to read that last passage there. Uh, Isaiah 13 down at the bottom. Babylon, the king of jewels, the pride and the glory of the Babylon, Babylonians, will be overthrown by God like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's never happened. That, is, that kind of destruction has never occurred before. She will never be inhabited or lived in through all generations. Desert creatures will lie there. Jackals will fill her houses. Hyenas will inhabit her strongholds. Her days will not be prolonged. The Lord will have compassion on Jacob once again. He will choose Israel and will settle them in their own land. Foreigners will join them and Israel will take possession of the nations and make them male and female servants in the Lord's land. They will make captives of their captors and rule over their oppressors. That's never happened before. And it's going to. At the end of the age, Babylon is going to be destroyed. Israel is going to take over. And Israel is going to be made prominent and is going to possess the nations. But that only happens after Babylon's fall. The reason I gave you all these verses, we often think about, yeah, there's going to be judgments at the end of the age. Then we also often think of, yeah, we know Israel is going to you know, be put to a place of prominence at the end of the age. What we don't often think about is how many of those Bible verses that tell that story are actually talking about Israel putting her foot on the neck of her ancient enemy, Babylon, and taking authority over the one that has been so harassing her throughout all of her history. It's a tale of two cities, the city of Babylon and the city of Jerusalem. Israel's future prominence has great 
detail has much to do with the judgment of Babylon at the end of the age. Okay. All right, let's break up into groups. Yeah, so the question is, um, with uh, there being so many overlapping uh, realities between Babylon and Jerusalem, will uh, Jerusalem at the end of the age also have uh, kind of some of that headquarters sort of a thought process that the city of Babylon will, and the question was, I think, specifically with relationship to the religious side of things. Um, yeah, I think so. I think that um, the Babylonian religion is, it's going to be glorified universalism. I mean, it's going to be a version of can't all of our religions coexist at the same time? Let's not rock the boat. In order for that to be uh, widely accepted, that's going to have to be uh, propagated in a lot of places in a very intentional way. And so uh, in order for you to spread any thought globally, you need to have epicenters, not just one. And so I think that part of the reason that it's so important to the Babylonian empire, the, the, the entire construct of Babylon at the end of the age, so not the city, but the empire, I think one of the reasons it's so important to have cities like Jerusalem is to help uh, uh, propagate the message, the thought process, the ideology. And so... Uh, so what will that look like in relationship to um, the Babylonian system of worship and its specific um, expression in Jerusalem? I'm not real sure. One of the things that we talked about in the last session, or, or one of them recently, was <clears throat> the, uh, the uh, prominence of idols in relationship to Babylon. Now, we are constantly thinking about the subject of idols in relationship to the Antichrist system of worship because there's going to be idols that look like the beast that are set up in various places. And at least the one in Jerusalem is going to be like anointed to be able to talk. Okay, So when we think about Antichrist worship system, we're already thinking idols. But that idol uh, subject matter is actually referenced more in relationship to Babylon at the end of the age than it is in relationship to the Antichrist at the end of the age. So I think that whatever it, the Babylonian system of worship includes, uh, it's for sure going to have idols in it. And I think that uh, Jerusalem uh, as, a, as another primary Babylonian you know, uh, uh, prominent city um, uh, we'll definitely have whatever that system is. So, excellent question. Okay, here, Caitlin. Yeah. So, uh, the thought process uh, that uh, Caitlin's bringing up is uh, definitely one that is uh, widely held. I, I say widely. When you start to get into this nuanced of eschatology, there's not a widely anything because there's only like three people out there that care. Uh, but, but there's, but there, uh, there, it is one of the positions held. I've got friends that I respect greatly that hold that uh, the city of Jerusalem will be the 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 Babylon that is spoken of uh, in all of the prophetic scriptures. And so the question is, you know, well, why would we? Um, why, why would we say that there's both Babylon and Jerusalem? And the question that I would ask anybody that holds the position that Babylon and Jerusalem are going to be the same geographic location at the end of the age is besides inferring that, how did they come to that conclusion when 
both geographic cities are described so clearly and both geographic cities have historical frame of reference. So that would be like, okay, let's start talking about prophecies about Texas. But Texas doesn't mean Texas. Texas means wherever there's someone with a cowboy hat. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not, in my, in my opinion, they're not being honest at all about the, the hermeneutics of Bible interpretation. It's like, if it says the city is Babylon, and Babylon has a historic location that we can reference, and that the Bible references specifically a hundred times, how could it not mean that city when it's a different Bible prophecy about that city but in that same Bible prophecy, in some of them, it's dual fulfillment, and it was physically talking about that city specifically. And then the same thing for Jerusalem. And so I just think that, in my opinion, those that hold to that stance, I think they're real close, but they've just not put together the, the one final detail, and that is, why not both cities? Like, how did you come to the conclusion that the two were one? Well, because it talks about them the same. But it also talks about two specific geographic cities that have historical, uh, you know, uh, historical reference. So, um, so in my question, in my thought process, you actually need to defend the other point, and that is that the two cities are one because you're now making two cities uh, a symbolic one when there's no reason to do that when. They both could exist, both could have the very similar traits, and even in the Old Testament, now this is a great, great point, Brad, you just got one. Um, the, the, the Old Testament, many times, the passages where the Lord, and even the ones in Ezekiel that we were just reading, related to uh, Jerusalem being called a harlot or being called an adulteress, it's in the same passage that he's referring to uh, uh, Babylon and and the very things of Babylon that uh, that I, Israel is being identified as a harlot for, the Lord is identifying Babylon for those same things in that same uh, passage of Scripture. And so so now you're looking at two cities that both had that were historically existing, and the Lord's referring to that one as a harlot and that one as a harlot. But at the end of the age, now they're just the same one. That to me that that's the position that needs to be defended. Um, not one that would just take it at face value and say they're both their own city. So great question, and these are these are questions like you wanna you wanna chew on these, and you wanna come to uh, good answers and and be able to, to to defend those thought processes from a biblical you know standpoint. So these are great questions. Yeah, Luke. Okay, now wait, 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 wait. Let me get there. Page seven. Good old B7. Okay. B. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I'll repeat the question. Um, so the question is, in relationship to, really it's the last section uh, that you're asking the question about, though you, you might not know that that's the question you're asking. Part five, Israel's destiny related to Babylon's judgment. Um, what I did in, in part five in the question was, how does part B relate to Israel's prominence or, or uh, what was the word you used, Luke? Israel receiving mercy, Israel receiving mercy okay. Um, uh, 
So the, the, um, the question is, uh, how does Israel receive mercy from this passage in Jeremiah 52 through 5? Um, what, what I was trying to accomplish and maybe didn't do an awesome job of, but what I was trying to accomplish with part five, all of it, A, B, C, D, E, or whatever, how many letters there were, uh, all of part five, I was trying to describe the progression of events uh, in the, uh, the end time drama that start with Israel being given over to Babylon and end with uh, uh, Israel uh, in total um, uh, place of prominence over Babylon and kind of painting the story along the way. So that was my uh, objective with all of part five. And I was trying to go in chronological order, as best as I could, of the events that led up to that point. Where did it start? Where did it end? Um, so that was my objective with part five. So the question specifically that you asked is, how does part B uh, relate? So let's just read it real quick. Babylon will be captured, her images will be put to shame, and her idols filled with terror. A nation from the north will attack her. So this is describing the Antichrist uh, and his, you know, ten nations uh, that he's going to have at his disposal. These ten are going to come and attack Babylon and lay her to waste, and no one will live in it. People... Uh, uh, and animals will flee in those days and at that time declares the Lord the people of Israel and the people of Judah together will go in tears to seek the Lord their God that was the, the point that I was really trying to make is that as they're watching Babylon get destroyed it's actually awakening in their heart a return to the Lord and whether they're going to be returning they're going to be crying out for mercy and God is going to then give them that mercy little do the secular Jews in that hour know the mercy that they're going to get is actually they're going to inherit the nations. That's actually the mercy that they're going to get when they come and seek the Lord in tears. They will ask the way to Zion and they will turn their faces towards it. They will come and bind themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. This is the, the pivot point uh, for uh, at least this group of Jews. And we've talked in past sessions, and worship leader, you can come on up. We've talked in past sessions that uh, when you're talking about the, the nation of Israel at the end of the age, there's like eight or at least six different clumpings, different groupings of Jews. Jews that don't believe in Jesus. Jesus, Jews that do believe in Jesus and get, a res and get raptured and get a resurrected body. Jews that are taken out into the desert during the 1260 days. Jews that, there's all these different groupings of Jews, but at least this group, this is going to be the turning point for them where they're going to turn their faces to Zion. They're going to set their faces to it. They're going to have a covenant with God, and as a result, God is going to give them mercy. They're actually going to then in the coming uh, bullets that I gave you her letters. They're then going to wind up re-inheriting the land of uh, Israel, and it's in relationship to Babylon being captured by the Antichrist. So, great question. That more or less makes sense? Yeah, okay, good. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.